All right, everyone. Hope you brought your geek because it's time to get it on. Hey, you guys. My name is Ben Lester. Anyway, I just got through listening to uh, your, uh, I guess it was episode 15. I'm a little bit behind. Said you wanted people to call in with accents. I figure I got a good one for you. Uh, it's not the foreign accent, but it's a uh, South Georgia uh, redneck accent. Um, I try for my family um, to inspire them, hopefully, to uh, live a better, uh, more healthy lifestyle. I try for my friends who I'm the last person on earth they ever thought would do this kind of thing. And I also try so I can listen to your podcast because it just wouldn't be fair to not be a triathlete and listen to your podcast. So I'd be missing out on that. So anyway, love the show. Love your blogs. Hope everything goes well with you guys. Thanks. Hi, I'm Will and This is Greyhound from Houston, Texas, and I try because... Oh, wait a minute. I don't talk like that at all. I grew up in Ohio, for crying out loud. I just know that Will loves dreamy accents. But I try because I'm thankful for the good health that I have, and I want to enjoy seeing what limits I can exceed in this community of people that pulls each other from where we are now until we all cross the finish line. Training is recess. Go play. Aloha, triathletes. Welcome to another edition of Get Your Geek On, the podcast designed to get y'all geeked up about the sport of triathlon, whether you're an Ironman veteran or just thinking about your first sprint triathlon. That's right, so if you're willing to sacrifice for something that's greater than you, you've come to the right place. I am the Tri-Geek Kahuna, podcasting from the Tri-Geek Dreams Labs in the OC, Orange County, California. And this is Iron Will, coming to you just outside of the Windy City from the Through the Wall World Headquarters. Well, podcast number 17, welcome. Yes, we're here again. And you're a little sore. I'm a lot sore. <laughs> tell uh, tell the folks what you did yesterday. Uh, I did the Indy Mini Half Marathon, and this morning um, went out for about a 20-mile ride, and uh, so uh, my, my coach um, yesterday said, Whatever you do, you know, make sure you do the ice bath for your legs. And, and that, people have been telling me that for since I've started doing all this, and I just cannot bring myself to do it. I'm like, you know what, whatever, I'm, I'll just be sore, I'll deal with it. Every single time, and then the, every single time I'm sore, and every single time I say, okay, screw it, next time I'm doing the ice bath. I don't care, I don't care, this sucks, I'm, gonna, I'm just doing the ice bath. And of course I didn't, and I and yesterday I was fine. I was walking around and um, you know not you know a little stiff, but nothing, no big deal. And right. this morning I woke up and it was just like oh pain, and then I had to go ride, and I was just like oh this is gonna suck, and you know and actually the ride was pretty good. Um, I had averaged 19 miles an hour over some hills and headwinds even, so I was like okay. Wow. Of course now I sat down again and um, just got up. A second ago to go do something, and um, oh, just <laughs> I'm gonna have to do the ice bath whether I like it or not later. I think. Now, how do you do an ice bath? Do you have to go get ice from the store? Or just... Um, or your freezer. <laughs> but um, just you know, just it doesn't even have to really be all that you know involved. Just cold water. My coach said to put probably about an inch of warm water in the tub, and then um, get in. And uh, then turn cold water on and let it kind of run over your legs. Uh-huh. But I just, I just can't. Uh-huh. I just can't even. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm, I'm such a wuss. Like I hate being cold. Hate it. Hate it. So uh, I just can't. I'd rather, I guess, suffer. 
Well, but, we, should, uh, we should update people on the uh, wildflower. Uh, yeah, debacle. how did Robo do? Um, well, Robo. Well, first of all, you know, our readers or our readers, our listeners. Um, Probably thought I was doing it after uh, listening to the last show. We were pretty sure I was going to do it. And it turns out that um, we had to wait. We had a, we had it all figured out how I was going to sneak into the race. But in the fine print of the uh, of the rules, it says if you're caught misrepresenting yourself, blah 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 blah, you get banned from for one year uh, on any kind of Ironman race. So I didn't want to take that chance uh. of getting banned from Ironman Florida. So I set out the race. Um, Robo Stude did okay he um his time wasn't that good he did a i think he did 715 or so which is not um which is about a half an hour less than, or more than his last year's time but he, he had some problems on cramping and and on the run pretty bad cramping on his um calves quads and basically any muscle in your leg uh he was, <laughs> he was cramped up Poor guy. and uh so but he was he was happy that he um you know, he did it. He, he it's a very tough one, and uh, he didn't get injured, and so he he's he's uh, back in action. And then Curly Sue, for those who you who followed uh, her call, she she did it really well. She she um, she finished about the she same time Rose do, and uh, that's so her was, first half Ironman, right? Uh, it is, and it's a really, really hard one. So good, good job. Yeah. So congratulations to Curly and Robo. They came out alive of uh, Wildflower, and um, I think we have some mail, Kuna, don't we? Oh my gosh, we've got so much email um, from all over the place, and uh, including we had two letters from England this this uh, this week. So uh, all right, why don't you uh, dip in and give us the first taste of what we okay. got? Okay. Um, first one we have comes from Chris, and he's in London. It says, um, it's one of those days, a great new day in, is dawning. It's one of those days when the sun is crawling above the rooftops of London and bathing the city with an almost ethereal glow. Oh, I'm going to like this letter. And I am desperate to be out there. Instead, here I sit on the train heading out of this grand old city of 10 million people to a day of sitting in meetings and generally thinking about what I would rather be doing instead. I'm no super athlete. I've completed the London Marathon three times, but never in earth-shattering times. My personal best is five hours and 27 minutes. And I do carry the extra padding around the middle that is so easy to acquire. But after this year's marathon, which I completed on April 23rd, I want to ask questions of myself, not just settle for life, but to take it by the horns and strive to be the person I can look at in the mirror and be proud of. My first sprint try is May 29th. I've been inspired by those close to me, by those far away. To you guys who accompany me with your podcast on my long training runs for the marathon, I say thanks for the support. I know you didn't know it till now, but without your podcast, training would have been all too easy to skip. To be inspired by others when you're on mile 15 of the long run in the rain and cold is something that only people who have been there themselves can understand. Kahuna, it's all good. You know, sometimes I wear the local theater to think I'm crazy. I mean, who runs down the street at 6 a.m. in the rain laughing to themselves? Me, thanks to you. And, Will, like so many others, you in, you're in... Uh, I'm, like, getting all choked up. <laughs> and, Will, like so many others, you're an inspiration to me. Your blend of determination and philosophy and bizarre fetishes <laughs> enliven my training. And I'm walking my line, and it's a great feeling. Oh. So a ramble by me, but I have been... Uh, I, I, can't, I can't, like, get through this letter. <laughs> So a ramble by me, but I've been wanting to email you guys to say thanks for the podcast, for sharing your lives with the world, 
and we listen over on this side of the pond, and for helping me around the marathon course this year. I, too, will soon be able to join the triathletes community, and I can't wait. It's an awesome ride through life, and I don't want to miss a second. Chris D. from London, UK. Oh, oh my gosh. Woo! <laughs> that was an awesome letter. Oh, wait, there's a P.S. P.S. This is not a request for the Try a Tried scholarship. There are many more out there who deserve and need it more than me. In response to, you, in response to your call for foreign accents, I was going to call this in, but I'm having problems with the number. I'll try again as soon as I can. Until then, why do I try? Maybe it's because I want to prove that I can. Maybe it's because I want to be who I think I can be. But maybe it's just because there's nothing else. Um, but maybe... It's just because there's nothing else in this world like riding full speed into the sunrise. I just know I try because it makes me smile. Oh, man. How awesome is that letter? It's totally awesome. Now, now y- you were, um, you got emotional during that. Yeah, it's just... Tell, tell, just, me, tell me why that touched you. Oh, boy. Um, well, just to to know that the kind of things that you're you're going through yourself you know if you you just put it out there it, it's easy to feel like you're the only one and to get mail like this where people say you know because of you because of something you said because of something you did mm-hmm. it's inspired me to keep going to try something new to kind of step outside of myself a little bit and it's just uh, there's just really no other feeling like that to know that not only are you not in this by yourself, but you're kind of helping pull somebody else along, just mm-hmm. like when you were in the beginning and you looked around for somebody and you maybe found a blogger or just somebody else who kind of got it, and you know what that feels like to find somebody uh, who does that for you, right. and to get you know feedback like you've done that for somebody else is just there's just nothing like that. Kahuna, did I ever tell you that um, your blog was the first one that I found? And that you kind of did that for me. I just I read it every day, uh-huh. and then Commodore and Flabby Iron Man both emailed me and said, uh, "Hey, you know, welcome aboard." And uh, just sort of all started. So I don't know. Reading uh-huh. reading through that that letter made me think of when I was in those shoes and uh, didn't know anybody and and was sort of looking to find a place and found one. So oh, that was cool. cool. All right. Well, we have a we have another one. Thanks for sharing that, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. We have another one from uh, England. This one from Manchester, Duncan. He's 32. He says I listen to all the podcasts, and I think they are great, good company on long runs. I've always been into sport and spent a long time playing football, which means soccer. Um, mm-hmm. And last time I played football, I broke my leg, couldn't work for four months. I decided I wanted another Ooh. challenge. Um, as I had played on the same team for 12 years, I took up running. Um, and went on to do a half marathon. This is a great part of the letter. Well, at the gym one day, I saw a triathlon poster. I was always under the impression that triathlon was a standard distance, the Olympic distance. The poster advertised a sprint and super sprint. That's that's when I thought I'd give it a go. And uh, he uh, he got some injuries. I'm just kind of skipping in. But uh, this is his second season now, and he signed up for a half Ironman and two Olympic distances. A dream would be an Ironman if I get through this system, se- season. I have been told I am similar to my granddad as he always pushed himself more and more and he lived to be 100. Wow. At, on his 85th birthday, he climbed the highest peak in Great Britain and was in the national press. Wow. Um, and here's, an, here's another guy. who They, they all want to give you your their accents, but uh, <laughs> um, 
I would have given you an MP3 of my story, but feel a bit of GIT, git, listening to my own, sound of my own voice. Um, oh, it must be a Britishism. Yeah, though, though you may have liked the accent, of course. Um, anyway, oh, of course, I would have liked the accent. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next podcast. Keep up the good work, Duncan. So, shout out to uh, Manchester. Uh, and London, and oh man. I, I got another I, one. Uh, uh, wait, while we're on the subject, I got another one from um, from Holland. Wow, we're going European. Yeah, this this guy, um, his name is uh, Danny. Goes by the by the uh, moniker Long Tried Dude. But this is a crack up. It <laughs> says, uh, um, "I did I did the winter duathlon, and it was freezing really hard." Minus 8 degrees Celsius. I don't even know what that is. That's really cold. And, yeah, snowing that day. Um, I have never was that cold at the same time that warm. I finished the race with a big smile on my face, although I came in last that day. I look on the bright side. I can only do better next year. That's just a perfect attitude. Um, Mm -hmm. So, uh, but the thing is, I really liked it, and I want to do the next, I want to do better next year. So I looked on the Internet and turned to one of my, Direct colleagues, who's a triathlete, um, he's, he's another guy with a Superman cape under his clothes. Uh, <laughs> I have um, I have had two swimming lessons so far, and I'm going to join the tri club. I'm going to take my shot at it. Um, I just want to to look and find out how much I like it, how much my body is willing to take. For now, I enjoy being able to run and make a bike trip without any pain and have it stay that way. I think I will like swimming as much as biking and running. The kick I got was great when I took a breath while swimming, and for the first time I was not getting water inside. Will, you know you've been an inspiration from the beginning, and the mighty kahuna and your great show, um, my tri-inspiration really took off. Keep up the good work. Um, I really like it that you're helping people start a good life by starting the sponsorship thing. He kind of goes on and on. So um, anyway, Danny... Thanks for the. Uh, oh, and he gave us uh, um, twelve dollars from Holland. So. Oh, uh, good. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. And not even euros. All right. <laughs> that was very generous. Very sweet. Um, yeah. I have a couple. We have a letter from Hawaii. Uh, it says, "Hey, Will. Just a shout out to let you know that I love the podcast. I don't know if you if you'll even respond to this note because I'm not a triathlete, just a runner and swimmer. And I did respond, by the way." Um, in any case, you guys really keep me motivated as I train for my first marathon. Aloha, Julia. Shout to Julia in Hawaii. And we're going to try to call her um, one of these days. We've been kind of going back and forth for a little while, but she's got she's like like what a million hours behind here. So <laughs> we got to find a way to call her where it's not two o'clock in the morning there. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll figure out a way sometime. So um, I have another letter that's really cool. I want to read this one. Um, it says, uh, "Hey, Will, I just want to send you a quick note." Uh, to say thank you for your time spent doing podcasts and updating your website. That's more time spent away from family and other important things. But in my opinion, it's time well spent. Thank you for your hard work, and I look forward to rooting the TV on in the Iron Man. Um, I'll be adding you guys to my website, and I'll do what I can to support all of your hard work. Thanks again. Peace, Chris. And Chris is from www.multisportjunkie.blogspot.com. So go check out Chris. I like that. We, um let me read you one more letter f- that I have, which is this is from Mama B. Okay. And um, she talks about uh, it's, it's a pretty cool letter. Um, your your podcast is my favorite. Um, you two are so great together. Um, you're Aww. both so real and truly motivating. Um, and um, 
I'm trying to. It's, it's she is fairly long, but uh, here here's the. Uh, Here's the meat of it. It says, triathlon has really changed my life. I was very active and physically fit 10 years ago and also extremely confident, confident enough to run down the beach in a thong bikini. Ooh. Yeah, she didn't send any pictures, but um, <laughs> uh, th- then you got, then I got married. We, d- we relocated from San Francisco to the Central Coast and had a baby and bought our first house. Those 10 years brought me a lot of joy, a lot of stress, and an extra 30 pounds. Wow. I was turning 40 and desperate to change my life, regain my body, and rebuild my confidence. My my husband suggested triathlon. He did a few in college. Um, I, I researched triathlons and chose the Wildflower Sprint course because I'm a mountain biker and knobby um, mm. tires are required. And it seemed like a good challenge without being too crazy. I dove into training and never looked back. I've lost at least 15 pounds. I've gone down two sizes. But, wow. most, but mostly, I am learning to like myself again and find I have so much more love to give. It's so great to have this goal and something to work towards. The only thing I can really compare it to is caring and birthing my child. Going through that experience gave me more confidence than anything else in my life. I really want to do something big and brave to recapture that feeling again. And thank you, Ironwell. Wow and Kahuna uh, for helping me on this journey. This will be my first triathlon, but not my last. I really hope to meet you both someday. Good luck with your Ironman races. You guys are going to rock it. I am so full of admiration for both of you. Oh, my gosh. See, this kind of stuff is just what it's all about. You know, people changing their lives and people um, just deciding things are going to be different and mm-hmm. they're going to start now. And I, I, I can't even tell you how much I love letters like this just because, and I mean, not, not so much the, obviously it's amazing to hear, you know, people saying thank you, thank you. But um, it's what inspires me the most is that people just have this, they found that part that, you know, makes life life, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And I love hearing other people's stories like this. Boy, this so. is like our uh, tissue. Oh, uh, this our this Oprah is our Oprah, not Oprah. What's it? I don't know. It's <laughs> our Oprah show. Oh um, my gosh, this is just incredible. Listen to this one. Um, we, like I said, we have a lot of email, so um, we're we're. Uh, I think you know this is the last one, and we'll have to save the rest for next time. But um, this one says. Uh, Guys, I just wanted you to know how much I enjoy the show. In October, I finished the Motorola Marathon, not as a middle-of-the-packer, but uh, as a back-of-the-packer, with hopes of beginning my triathlon journey. The end of February, my father died, and between that loss and getting my mother back on her feet, it's been hard to spare the emotion and energy to get out there and train. But when I listen to you both and your energy and enthusiasm, I just want to get up out of my office and go for a swim right then and there. Keep it up because you're keeping me going until I can refocus again on my goal and why I love hate to train. Peace, Susan from Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, oh. my God. See, people have all kinds of stuff. I mean, I guess sometimes I feel like, oh, I, why am I doing this? I have so much crap i got to do, and there's all this and there's all that. And You know, there are these people who are – beyond incredible with all of the things that they balance and on all the the hardships and, and situational challenges and but they're they're keeping it together and i don't know it's kind of a it's kind of like a family i think you know where you're all sort of there for each other and this is just amazing i just love this and we we love to hear this story. i mean obviously we're, we don't um get paid for this and it's uh, <laughs> it's uh it's kind of a hassle to do sometimes so sometimes you're like god you know should we keep doing this it's uh 
a lot of work, and you know we got we're kind of squeezed for time, but um, these letters all make it worthwhile. So we really, oh, yeah. we really appreciate them. Definitely um, hearing how everybody's just getting things done. Yeah, so inspirational. Yeah. By the way, before we cut out of um, the the mail, I wanted to congratulate Anthony Lowe. Uh, he ran Boston Marathon and um, wanted to have a goal time of 3.45, and he wound up coming in at 3.42.23. So it's a little belated, but um, congratulations to Anthony Lowe. Um, people know him as Low Light sometimes. So mm-hmm. way to go, Anthony. Wow, that's a great race. It's a great yeah, time for so, that race. So fast. All right. Well, let's, oh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on. Um, those are those are great, though. I, I think uh, everybody can feel the passion out there. Um, yeah. And, uh, this is this is just. They need to make a big, giant movie, Rocky movie about triathlon. <laughs> oh, you know, you know what? I I I thought of a great book idea that someone can steal if they want. Um, but I thought about going to some big triathlons and go to the back of the pack, and while people are you know, walking along and struggling to the finish, get their stories. Because I think they're. Oh I think, I think, yeah. I think that's where the stories are. Is, is in the back of the pack, and uh, mm-hmm. um, and they're just they're just wonderful people. And you know, I, I think we've all been at the back of the pack at some point, whether it's because of uh, uh, just general slowness or injury or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it just uh, those people are just just completely rock. So. Oh, yeah. I've noticed that wherever there is um, confrontation, like whether that be with yourself or the elements or wherever, that's where all of the cool stories, that's where all of the um, the passion comes from, mm-hmm. whenever there's like some kind of epic thing that needs to be uh, surmounted. So, yes. yeah, definitely at the end of the, at the back of the pack. And um, we, we spend so much time listening and hearing about, like, the superhero elite stories. But, yeah, I don't think anybody's really ever concentrated on the, on the struggle from the back of the pack. That's awesome. Yeah. You know who, you know who, um, this, this uh, reminds me of Siren's blog. Uh, her, her blog's kind of based on, you know, tales from the back of the pack. And, mm-hmm. and I think she's a writer, too. So, Siren, maybe, maybe you can steal that idea. <laughs> Uh, I, let me tell you one quick funny uh, back of the pack story. I was in a uh, Long Beach Marathon. I was um, hurt, so I was, I was at the back of the pack, and I came alongside this woman. And every like two seconds, she's she's was just shouting out. She's going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> I thought, man, she must be really injured, or there's something really. Every step she took, Jesus, Jesus. And so I pulled up alongside. I'm like, Are you okay? She goes, oh yeah, I'm just praying. <laughs> he goes, the only person that's going to get me through this is Jesus. And so every, with every stride, she saw Jesus' name. And, oh uh, my gosh. So she finished, so I guess Jesus uh, uh, <laughs> helped her out. But, uh, people are so cool. You meet the coolest people. Yeah. Yeah, it's just great during a race, too, because as long as you can concentrate on something else besides <laughs> the pain, yeah. pain you're in. <laughs> It really, yeah. really helps out. So, um, all right, it's time for a surprise a triathlete, and we're gonna we're gonna surprise Eric. Um, oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Eric. Well, um, from uh, Ohio, Eric. Yes, Ohio, Eric. So let's oh, see. Oh, Eric, Eric sent us a little little surprise. So we're gonna hopefully he'll be there. We can talk about <laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I know, you, I know you really enjoy it. <laughs> we have to have a conversation. I wonder if he's out riding. It's like almost Hello. noon. <gasps> Eric, is this try Eric? 
Yes, it is. Hi, this and is this Cousin. This is and Ironwell. <laughs> yes, it is. How are you? Not too bad. Yourself? <laughs> Good. You got time to talk? Yes, I do. All right. Surprise. Well, I thought, hey, Will, I thought you were running uh, Indianapolis. I did it yesterday. How'd it go? It was it was awesome. It was a good time. So uh, Indianapolis is a great city. So yeah, it was it was perfect weather. Everything was great. Awesome. So, now, Eric, uh, Eric, we called you mostly because <laughs> of the very disturbing photo you sent to us. Do you want to tell people about that? <laughs> oh well, you know, Iron Will has these little fetishes. Uh, Not fetishes. People, I know you deny the fetish, and you know, oh, okay, okay, I got to I got to stop. Okay, fetishes we have to establish for the for the tri community at large. Fetishes are are sexual in nature, and just for everybody's information. <laughs> Feet do not turn me on, okay? <laughs> but they, well, well, I gotta just. I gotta, they can turn me off, they turn but they off. don't turn me on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Eric, what did you do? Well, I, I took pictures of my feet and emailed them to Will and you, and hey, you know. I couldn't resist. I listened to the podcast. <laughs> you were just you just kept on going on and on about the feet. I said I got would it. not let up. <laughs> Getting attacked from all sides with feet. <laughs> I'm telling you something. If you set a precedent, man. If I start getting like male truckloads of feet, somebody's in trouble. Somebody's going down. <laughs> well, well, I liked your I liked your feet, Eric. So uh, lovely. I, oh. You know what I like? I wasn't expecting it from you, Kahuna. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, you know what I like? You you had a shot of your leg in there. You're like cut up. That was pretty good. Um, My training's been going really well right now, so I'm (laughs) pretty low on the body fat. So that that was a that was a good leg in that in that photo. I wish we're gonna Kahuna. We're gonna have to figure out how to get pictures on these podcasts because the world needs to see this this leg and and the feet that are attached. So. Well, you know, um, Boulder's <laughs> going to have to see that leg because it shaved also. Uh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Oh, my so, God. Okay. Yeah. So, Eric, tell us your tell us your story about uh, Sport of Triathlon. How did you get into it, and uh, where are you now? Uh, um, yeah, I've been thinking about that for a while. Uh, it actually goes all the way back to 1998 where um, – I was listening to my friends who were participating in 24-hour mountain biking events, uh-huh. um, doing like 24 hours of uh, Canaan, and uh, I said, hey, i got to get in on that action because it sounds like a lot of fun. So in 98, I bought a mountain bike and did the 24 hours of Canaan, which is in uh, near Davis, West Virginia, and it, just the team atmosphere of doing something like that was just a lot of fun. Uh, getting up at 2 a.m. to uh, ride a loop on a mountain bike course. Oh. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I did that for uh, several years, and my good friends um, who were really into cycling, um, he had an extra road bike, so I got, I borrowed his road bike to see how I'd like road cycling, and through, I got back into running through my wife, and we found some local events, and there's a guy that has duathlons, so I started doing some duathlons. I got on a road bike, I started running again, um, a couple of years of that, and he had a sprint try. I said, you know, I've been wanting, I'm a little bit 
out of the norm when it comes to sports. I played soccer when I was in high school. I ran track. Um, a lot of the mainstream stuff never really in- interested me. So I'm like, hey, you know, this triathlon stuff sounds interesting. So I started off with some uh, sprints, um, worked my way up to uh, maybe an Olympic here or there. And then I really started getting um, serious. A bunch of my friends and I created uh, a multi-sport and cycling team called Snake Bite Racing. Um which uh, you may have seen off my website. Yeah. And, you know, we've got sponsors, um, one of which is my company that I work for. Um, so I got into that. I got more serious. I found a coach that is just fantastic through a uh, swim. And in 2004, uh, my wife and I both trained for our first half Ironman in southern Ohio. Um, did great in that, and then the next year she trained my coach trained me through an Olympic distance uh, race series. Um, HFP Racing in Ohio has a series around the different state parks where you accumulate points. Wow! Um, wow! I actually did. I actually did pretty well with there. I wound up second in my age group um, in the series, and then this year making the big step. Ironman Lake Placid. Oh, I, I'm, I'm under 80 days until race day. So, so, so what, man, what, what are you, what's your long training it's look like? Down the pipe. What, what's what's your, that? What's your long training look like on, right now for that? Um, this weekend, um, yesterday I did a four-hour ride, um, which I got in about 70 miles, and then that was followed by a 40-minute run. Um, which was awesome. I, I just I was wow. really surprised. My le- my legs were right there with me and everything. Um, and then today, I got home maybe about an hour ago from a uh, just over two hour run. Um, I put in sixteen miles, so Whew. that was great. You know, coming off of uh, some tired legs from yesterday's ride, I was really happy. Um, a lot of the people that uh, from all the Cleveland area bloggers like uh, Curly Sue and Triceratops and Elizabeth, those people will understand that I did that out at Hinkley. Uh, Hinkley oh. is the main um, hilly area around here. It's like one of the only areas, and the course, the run course that we have out there is, is just phenomenal hills. Pace I was pulling on some of those really, it really bolstered my confidence in attacking uh, Lake Placid, especially on the run. So. Oh. Now, we were talking about Lake Placid earlier. Um, that and uh, Wisconsin are the hilliest courses. And now Lake Placid, though, is like spiky, straight up, straight down kind of hills, whereas Wisconsin, I understand, is more like long, oh, my gosh, is ever going to end type hills. Yeah, especially if you look at the bike course. I mean, you look at the bike profile compared to some of the others. I was looking at that earlier in the week, and it's like yeah. I'm looking at it like, ooh, okay, there's that nine-mile downhill <laughs> um, which, you know, people people have hit anywhere from fifty to fifty five miles per hour on that downhill. Oh, so, that's yeah. scary. Now, now the uphill before that though is <laughs> yeah, <I'll, laughs> you you earn that downhill. <laughs> from from what I've heard, it's more of a gradual uphill. Um, my coach, um, she is an Ironman veteran. She has about eight Ironman under her belt. 
Um, two of which she, she did Wisconsin last year as well, uh, and then followed that up with Florida. And she's done a lake. Holy cow! Yeah, if you go to my blog, you'll. She was my uh, family and friends Friday person uh, a week and a half ago. Um, she's just oh. phenomenal. So I have the utmost confidence in her. And she rode with me and saw me on the hills, not this past weekend, but the one before. And she said I was looking so strong that. Words, I will tear up Lake Placid bike course. <laughs> All right. Now, now, Eric, plug your uh, blog real quick. Tell everybody, tell everybody your address for your blog. Oh, the address is tryericktry.blogspot.com. And that's T-R-I-E-R-I-C-T-R-I, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. So, so, sounds like you're um you're you're ready to go. It sounds like. I it, it, well, it was really um I was worried there for a while because I was. I've never done a marathon, and I was going to do a marathon at Virginia Beach. It was the Shamrock Marathon, and that was uh, St. Patrick's Day weekend. And leading up to that, my run was doing really well um, through the winter, uh, you know, all that wonderful snow that we get here in Cleveland. Yeah. I was doing really good, and all of a sudden, six weeks prior, my, uh, uh, like, my flute, my top of my IP band, my... Uh, TFL, I had a whole bunch of muscles on my right leg that just kind of told me, I don't know if it was an overtraining thing or something, but it just tightened up and just killed me for two weeks. Oh. And it, it, it put a kibosh on my uh, uh, race at uh, Virginia Beach. So I'm like, so, I mean, today's run and last week's run, my runs are finally starting to get back up to speed and everything. So. Yeah. All right. And, and then I keep on looking at my countdown timer on my blog, and I'm like, I only have that many days. <laughs> I know. I know exactly how you feel. I'm starting to, I'm starting to get like that, too. It's weird. You know, I, 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 I read your blog, Will, and I'm like, why is she freaking out? It's like September. And then I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. Mine's at the end of July. Why am I not freaking out? <laughs> no. well, oh. I, you know. I think it's just a lot of confidence, you know, from everybody that I've been reading out there. Everyone's putting in the training. Everyone's putting in the miles. It's just a matter of having confidence going into the race and everything. Um, the, the book I've been reading lately that I would recommend for anybody to go out and purchase is The Triathlete's Guide to Mental Training. Oh. It's, probably one, of the, it's one of the best reads when it comes to from a mental aspect. Um, there's even a chapter in there about Ironman racing. And wow. I, I, throw up, I throw up on my blog every once in a while little tidbits that I find are very important to, you know, just triathlon in general and everything. It's, it's a lot of things that, like your coach had mentioned as well, you know, keep it positive, don't reveal yourself to the race, you know, mm-hmm. you know self, self-motivation, um, psyching yourself up. A lot of things like that, but it's just a wonderful book. So if anybody uh, has an opportunity to pick it up, I would I would get it. So. All, All right, right. I, I got one last question for you, Eric. What, what's uh, what's the deal with Pumpkinhead? Is your nickname? <laughs> oh my gosh, where did you pick that up at? Uh, I, I got sources out I, there. <laughs> oh man, he's okay. a huge reporter, man. Well, one of <laughs> one of my good friends that really got me into mountain biking, um, Pat and Linda, they have three kids, um, Nicole, Sam, and Tyler. And 
Nicole, their oldest one, gave me the nickname of Pumpkinhead. I don't know why, but it just has stuck with me and everything. And I, and you know what? I love it. Um, the kids gave it to me. I call the house. You know, the kids answer the phone. And I'm like, hey, it's Pumpkinhead. And they're like, oh, hi. You know? <laughs> uh, it, it, I don't know. I, I have to ask. It's just been around for maybe about, I want to say, five or six years. All right. Um, but but um, I love those kids. They're fantastic. They're a lot of fun, and I don't mind them calling me that at all. And in hindsight, if I had really thought about it, I probably would have named my blog that or something. Ah, well, that's fun. Well, listen, hey, thanks thanks for joining us, and we'll check in after uh, you smoke the Lake uh, Placid course. I'm hoping Definitely. to. Definitely. Check in with you later, okay, Eric? Okay, good luck, guys. Okay, All bye-bye. right, take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. He's so cool. Eric's great. Oh yeah, he was. He was. He's good. He's he's quick too. I was looking at his times on his blog, and uh, he did a five fifteen half Ironman. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so he would be at the front of the pack. Uh, I think he's he's triceratops. Five twelve. I was. Oh, and he's like triceratops. Um, one of her swim partners. So they're they're little fishies, both of them. She's in, she's in good hands. Um. Okay, I, oh, one thing we want to talk about is is um, uh, transitions. A couple of people emailed me and said, uh, can you talk about transitions? And so I thought this might be a good time to transition into transitions. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Do you have any uh, advice on <laughs> <for> transitions? <laughs> it's very clever. Um, uh, let's see. When I first started, I had no idea um, about how the heck to set up a transition. Um, one of the uh, one of my mentors on my team, um, Nancy, uh, she was like so patient. She said, "Okay, first, you know, just like lay down a towel and put all your stuff down in the order that you're going to use it." And um, you know, she. Uh, I, I guess I just kind of learned by watching and you know figuring out what you need when you're when you're training and then that you know just lay it out the same way um you know make a list and all that kind of stuff i've always been paranoid that i'm going to forget something and there's always something it's either you know the body glide or the um you know the sunglasses or the hat i've always forgotten you know at least one thing um so sometimes i even like just pack a bag of the basic stuff Mm -hmm. so that if i forget you know, and, and they just never come out of that bag. And, you know, sometimes I'll have, like, two or three different sticks of the body glide or, you know, a couple different hats or a couple. Of, and I put them all in these different places. So if I do forget, then I have a backup. And that's helped me. So that's just one little trick that I've that I've done. What, what about you? How do you that's, do your stuff? That's pretty good. Um, you know, I think it depends on your personality. You know, I think there's some people that are, you know, really get into – I mean, got definitely got to have a list no matter what your personality is. Right. Um, but, you know, some people are really um, – attentive to every detail. I just know that when the race starts, my brain at least completely shuts down. Um, and mm-hmm. so you've got to make sure when you get in that transition area that you've got everything that you need because you're going to, you're just not thinking very well. And, um, I think we talked about before, but you know, like RoboStu ran out of, um, the, from bike to run and he just took off with his bike helmet on. Um, and he just, you know, you just like, you're, you just forget about things. And so I would, I would, I, I've never practiced transition, though I heard that's a really good way to, mm-hmm. to improve your time. And I probably should do that. But, um, yeah, I just, I just, you know, I lay down a towel. 
Um, I don't use, a lot of people use the um, little um, uh, tubs of water so they can get the sand off their feet or the dirt off their feet. Yeah. Uh, I've never used that because I just find it easier to um, to just spray, use a water bottle to just kind of spray it down real quick. But um, I don't know. I, I, I always, Robos 2 uses that. And a lot of people use that. And it's a very good way to get your feet clean. You just kind of step in and out of the, the little tub and um, you're instantly clean. But just like just like you said, just you know, get there early, um, lay everything out, uh, and and just sort of go through your mind like you're you're doing the race. You know, okay, I'm gonna put my sock on here, sock on there, you know, shoe, shoe, um, glasses, whatever, helmet, and um, go through that. And it's if if you have a good transition, I, I for, for a while I'm kind of rambling here, but for a while mm-hmm. I always thought. Um, I, it was good to take my time in transitions because it was like a little rest and and um, it was a nice way to kind of get your get your mind and body together for the next segment of the race. But I, I just was losing you know minutes doing nothing. And I'd rather just like get on the bike and kind of rest while you're moving. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I really try to get in and out quickly now of those things. And now one one other piece of advice I would have is and I've made this mistake twice is make sure your bike is in a low gear. Yeah, um, you said. You know, or otherwise you're going to, you know, if there's any kind of, you just want to be in a low gear as you come out of the transition area. So you get on your bike, get the pedals going, and um, especially if there's a little incline or a steep incline or whatever, you're going to be dead if you um, mm-hmm. hop on your bike and you're in a hard <laughs> <in> a, a <laughs> gear. So, um, yeah, so yeah, low gear for anybody who's new out there, that means like an easy, easy gear, easy your granny gear. gear. Yeah, right. it doesn't have to be your granny gear or anything like that, but you know, a gear that it's easy to pedal in. So yeah, well, well, talking about okay, so that would be a mistake to put the uh, the bike in a in a tough gear as you're coming out of transition. And, and uh, you talked to your coach this week. Yeah, since we're talking about top mistakes people make and and how can we avoid those, you know, making a list is like one trick. And and what else? So, um, what are some things we should you know make sure we have ready to go, ironclad set before mm-hmm. race? So we kind of talked about that. All right, well, let's, let's listen to the Coach's Corner. All right, we're here again with my coach, Greg Mueller, USAT Level 2 coach. And, uh, Greg, this time we're talking about kind of the most common mistakes people make um, when they're getting ready for a race. Um, and uh, I don't know how many you can think of, uh, but what do you think the most common ones are that you've seen, and uh, how can we prevent those? Um, I think probably the most common mistakes that people make across every distance of uh, multi-sport, um, probably the biggest mistake is pacing, um, then nutrition. Um, I think preparation, like whether you're likely not using a coach, just jumping in to something, um, trying new things at a race, or maybe... Uh, kind of a long preparation, just overreaching and doing a, a race that you're not uh, ready for or doing a distance that you're not prepared for and you just kind of jumped in. Um, I'll kind of address those uh, each separately if I can remember what they all were. Okay. Wow. <laughs> um, that pacing is important because what we're doing is, is so long and um, it's uh, people have backgrounds in maybe one or two sports, but obviously if you had a background in all three, then it wouldn't be a new sport. But mm-hmm. um, people end up treating uh, the whole race as individual sports, and it's really one sport in and of itself. So 
um, that to suggest that you don't want to be swimming all out and mm-hmm. then trying to get on a bike and then ride all out because it's going to make the run really hard. And so a lot of times the run gets a bad rap because um, people feel like their fitness level is low on the run when in actuality you can look at uh, an athlete's ability to run an open race and then compare it to an off-the-bike run and you can tell a lot of things from that and that's to suggest that if their time is degrading substantially that they're probably having problems pacing early on in the race. They're going too hard and they're just not able to run very well. Uh, I think coaches probably have, I do have formulas for what is in a reasonable amount of degradation because obviously you're not going to be able to run as fast off the bike. But um, like for a half Ironman, it should probably be around 30 or 40 seconds if you're pacing optimally. Um, Very often, though, you see two minutes or three minutes people are slowing down, Mm -hmm. and that's probably due to pacing because there's a lot of opportunity in a half marathon to go too hard. And that's that's per mile? That's per mile in a half marathon. So if somebody could run uh, a two-hour half marathon in an open race, um, then I would say that, uh, you know, two and a half hours is probably too much time. It would point to another problem Mm -hmm. rather than an ability to run uh, that distance because they've already illustrated they could run it fairly quickly at two hours. Um, Also, though, nutrition plays a big role in that because you're obviously riding in a a half Ironman. uh, You're riding for maybe three hours or uh, in that area, uh, four hours, two and a half hours, and um, you need to be taking in gels and drinking, um, taking in a lot of calories and electrolytes. And if you're not doing that or eating properly before the race and fueling your body, then you're likely not going to have the race that you want to have. And that can be really frustrating and people point to lack of fitness when in reality um, it's just hard to take in calories when you're racing that hard. So people really need to get on a schedule and I encourage athletes and um, myself, I race with a timer that goes off and I'll let you know every 15 minutes, you know, it's time to take a gel or to take a swig of Perpetuum or something that you're drinking because you forget out there, you're focusing on um, just going forward and really eating will just stop you dead in your tracks. Mm -hmm. And again, running will get the bad end of that because that's probably where you'll end up walking because on a bike, whether you're riding 15 or 20, 25 miles an hour, you're, you're moving forward where running can really things can get bad. So you have to prepare now for what you're going to be doing in two hours. Oh, um, okay. And just so if you're feeling okay, you're not particularly hungry or anything like that, that's still, it doesn't mean that you can't yeah, eat. You still need to eat. Eating in sport, in multi-sport, has nothing to do with being hungry. You're fueling your body to um, reward it or to prepare it for something else. So in the morning you get up and get out of bed, you might not be hungry. But if you're doing a, an hour run, you most certainly need to be eating something that's Mm-hmm. 200, 250 calories, and likewise, when you're done doing a really hard workout, um, you want to make sure that you're taking in some food, even if it's really hot outside and you're not mm-hmm. that hungry. You need to um, make sure that you're e- eating food immediately after the workout. Okay, and you mentioned some um, some preparation. Um, yeah, uh, pr- preparation is just wh- whether it's um, using a coach or having some. Um, something structured to get you from point A to point B. You don't want to just be winging it, you know, be out mm-hmm. on riding your bike for uh, an hour or r- running around based on emotion or weather. You really need to have something that's pretty structured. 
and that's not to suggest that you can't have fun with it because it can be with a group of people or it can be a, you can ride to go see um, your grandparents you know, <laughs> at a lake or something. But you, if you're committing to doing the sport, then you should commit to prepare, and, and that's really um, a, a safe way to be approaching it instead of you can end up at a race and it's 90 degrees and you haven't done the training you need and you're overheating and you haven't practiced any nutrition and you're pacing and you have never ridden this far. And that's that's really not very responsible mm-hmm. um, because you're putting uh, your life in danger and the race promoter then has reason to worry. And I think a lot of people do that and they get away with it. But I would discourage people from um, just shooting from the hip on that one. I, I would try to decide what distance you can do and then prepare yourself, whether you buy a book or get a coach, prepare yourself uh, the best way you can. All right. Um, what about some silly mistakes? Maybe probably we all make um, uh, in, in uh, gear. There's always the one thing we forget. Um, and and uh, what are some strategies that you think would be good in kind of having one less thing to worry about that way? Um, well, I, I definitely think it's important to have lists. I mean, when I'm doing Ironman, I have a list that leads up to the race for every day. And then as you get closer, it's like parts of the day, especially if you have bike check-in by 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that you remember that because if you don't check the bike in by 10 o'clock, you can, I mean, your whole Ironman can be shot. There's things, um, getting your uh, special needs bags in on time and having the stuff that's in them maybe be frozen. If you're doing a hot race like Florida, um, you don't want to per- perpetuum in a bag the night before the race and then drink it. 24 hours later, oh, yeah. you know, you have to freeze that stuff, and you want to make sure you have electrolytes in your fuel belt, but they're contained in something plastic so that when you sweat, they don't um, melt. So, I mean, it's important to have a coach that has experience and can help you with those things, but like it, you said, it's important to have be prepared, and, and that um, is another one of the things that I talked about is just being prepared for the race that you're doing and not trying new things. I mean, when you're out working out and your coach has you doing a brick or a race simulation um, on Saturday, uh, there's a lot of other things going on in your life, but it's a pretty important opportunity for you to try things that day. So mm-hmm. take the fuel you're going to have with you, try those things. Uh, take the socks that you're going to wear or if you're not going to wear any socks and you know, put sunscreen on and do things that work for you. I mean, maybe you're going to be allergic to some kind of sunscreen. You don't want to just, on race day, try something new and then you break out from that or, you know, you're trying to drink Coke and you've never had it. That's really common because you don't have Coke. Maybe do a a 10-mile run where you come by your house three times and you take a swig of Coke just to see how your body reacts. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's going to make you burp and you can't run or maybe it makes you feel great um, and you can nail it so i would just say think about the race talk to someone who's been there and done that or your coach and get some lists of things that um they want you to try and then do that uh, uh, one of the things is i always encourage athletes to switch shoes at the halfway point of the marathon because it really feels good on your feet and they're probably really wet from going through sprinklers and mm-hmm. drinking water and some people say well that's not worth the time well for the minute that it takes you it feels like you're on you know running on a down comforter it feels so nice to have dry clean shoes on at the very least i'd suggest socks but that's Mm -hmm. things that most people will probably never think of for Mm -hmm. the race so again uh, a good coach or a good book can point you in the right direction for those things 
Okay, so pretty much um, just uh, be educated and, mm-hmm. and be prepared and um, make sure you know uh, your limits, whether that be with pacing or uh, what what kind of nutrition um, things work best for you. And uh, sounds like uh, sounds like we're ready to race, I think. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Greg. And no um, anybody has any questions, they can reach you at um, innovativeendurance.com. Correct. All right. Well, thanks again. Thank you. Well, that's all great advice and, you know, mistakes that uh, <laughs> we've all made. So. Oh, yeah. Um, so that, that's good. I, I appreciate that. And another good interview by Thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. Let's, let's talk for a moment about our, uh, our TRICE scholarship. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got, uh, we've got another winner. This will be our fourth winner. Fourth? Yeah, fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh, Okay, I need your little drum roll. I liked that last time. You like the drum roll? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> um, this this uh, Dan is our uh, winner, and uh, here's his here's his letter to us. And I, I'm going to uh, cut it down a, a little bit, but uh, basically, it's his first year of triathlon, and um, he's a poor, uh, relatively poor, fresh from college. Um, who's heading off for even more school next year? So he says that he would appreciate a, uh, um, any help that he can get. And, and um, for newcomers, this tri scholarship is uh, designed to pay an entry fee for a new triathlete, and it's our way, in our listeners' way, of sort of spreading the, the triathlon karma around and uh, motivating people to get into the sport. So uh, he says, here's a little about me. I was very unathletic growing up. That changed when I got to college and when I got into weightlifting, and I would tool around on a cheap mountain bike, mainly to go back and forth from school to my apartment. Um, he got injured, uh, and uh, to keep myself from going crazy, I exercised on the um, elliptical trainers and the stationary bikes at the school gym, all while memorizing flashcards for my last couple of um, quarters of insane coursework. coursework. Uh he um, he'd hurt his shoulder. He says, by last fall, my shoulder was good enough to go, and I was, I was getting in good cardiovascular shape. Then the bug to do a triathlon bit me hard. Um, uh, last fall, I realized I had to do at least one, so I bought running shoes and swimming trunks. We don't call them swimming trunks. We call them speedos. And started to <laughs> teach myself how to do t- the two other sports I had been missing. A couple weeks ago, I did my first try, just a little practice one with the San- SD Tri Club. That I think it's San Diego. That was uh, mm-hmm. fun, except for the swim. I was the only guy there without a wetsuit. Oh, my God. It was so cold, I got panicky. I couldn't keep my head down in the water. I ended up doing the whole 300 meters, um, doing the stupid side stroke. Um, I'm about to buy the bullet, bullet and plop down cash for a wetsuit, so a little help with an entry fee would be greatly appreciated. Um, he's, he's looking at t- doing the um, sprint triathlon in Encinitas. My main goal, though, is to do an Olympic distance um, OC triathlon this year. After sucking so badly at a 300-meter swim, I'm a wee bit terrified at the uh, 1.5 kilometer I'll have to do in June. That's what he's shooting for. Um, And listening to your latest podcast with all this talk of open water swimming made me downright nauseous. Oh, no. (laughs) But life, I found, is full of obstacles, and I need need to do... um, All I need to do is put my head down and keep grinding over them, grinding on to overcome them. I know I can do the same with that swim. Uh, the triathlon bug is really 
bit me hard now, and I hope I can keep it up through school and my career after that. To paraphrase Charlton Heston, they're going to have to pry this bike out of my cold, dead hands. All right. Uh, great work. Great work, uh, guys. Keep it up. So, Dan, your uh, your entry fee is uh, on its way, and you can do the, uh, the OC triathlon, the Olympic triathlon, if you want on that. All right, and uh, yeah, he said that that was what he did. What did he do? A little practice triathlon? Yeah, it wasn't official. Wasn't official, so wasn't official race. Okay, yeah, because that's that's one of the disclaimers. Um, if you've entered an official race already, then you're not eligible. So this is this is just to get you know those uh, those people out there who would really uh, like to start something new for themselves. So uh, and he qualifies. So. Yeah. So congratulations, so, Dan. Congratulations, Dan. You're you're a winner. Um, Okay, so now we've got, uh, you talked to, uh, you had a nice interview this week, didn't you? Yeah, I'm, I've been really um, wanting to talk to uh, Paul Lieto for the longest time. Um, he's just an incredible guy, and he's the founder and designer of TriFuel.com. That is a very, very successful uh, triathlon uh, commercial website, and um, lots of different resource information. Um, he's just put a new blog aggregator up, uh, and it's just—it was actually one of the first resources I came across when I first started. It was a huge source of help. Um, so lots of great pieces of writing from all kinds of different people uh, out there, lots of different coaches and um, experts in, in other areas. And uh, so anyway, and he's also this incredible photographer. And so we're gonna we're gonna talk to him a little bit. Good, and it, it is a great site. So trifield.com, and uh, let's let's listen to what he has to say. I'm here with Paul Lieto, the founder and uh, site author of TriFuel.com, which is his claim to fame there. So, uh, Paul, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for being with us. And uh, so, can you tell us a little bit about TriFuel and um, you know, how it got started? I know it's uh, it was one of the first and um, main resources that I used when I first got started in triathlon, found all kinds of help on that page, and then all of the other pages that it linked to, so um, how did how did you get started with that? Uh, well, firstly, you know, thanks for, for uh, using it. I'm glad it's helpful. It actually just started just like a weekend uh, project type of thing. Um, I kind of got into the sport and was, you know, started with like wildfire sprint, mountain bike race, that type of thing, and um, and then then when my brothers got into it, like, professionally, or Chris got into it professionally, I started kind of looking into, um, looking more into the sport and, and kind of just, you know, for my own benefit, finding training articles and um, reading all the resources out there, and then um, just kind of started putting it up on a website, cause that's kind of what I what I was doing for a living for another company. Um, so I just started putting stuff up on the website and kind of started, I think I actually started out with like a email newsletter type of thing. And um, it just kind, of, just kind of got a few subscribers and I just shared with them what I found. And then um, over time it just kind of grew and uh, started getting coaches wanting to, to um, 
give me, you know, articles and whatnot to post on the site. So then I started doing that and then, um, then started thinking, you know, we need to get some sort of, uh, like reviews of like the races and the gear so that, you know, people can, um, especially like new people coming into, well, I get I, pretty much anybody. I mean, triathlon is not a cheap sport. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, with the gear and with, uh, race registration, so wanted to create something that would kind of help them, I guess, in some way spend their money more wisely. So that was, that was kind of the thought behind the, the gear review so that they can kind of get an idea of what other, uh, triathletes are using and, and what they, thought about the product so that they could go out and, and um, you know, buy products that were, that, you know, had some sort of um, quality behind them that, you know, that were tested by other users and, and might be good for them. Well, tell people where it is exactly so that they can go check it out here. Uh, it's just at uh, trifuel.com, T-R-I-F-U-E-L.com, uh, and it's not a nutrition company. Uh, <laughs> people think that I sell... Well, people, like, have heard of it, and they said, oh, well, I didn't realize it was a website. I thought it was, like, a, you know, like a power bar or a <laughs> company or something. <laughs> um, but I was kind of, you know, the, the the name actually just came from, you know, triathlon, obviously, or three sports. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, my thought behind the fuel was more of, you know, the inspiration or information type mm-hmm. of fuel, not necessarily nutritional. Mm-hmm. You totally read my mind. That was my next question for you, how you came up with the name. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then I wanted something, you know, small. I didn't want, like, triathlonexperience.com, something that was mm-hmm. 15 letters long. <laughs> uh, it's pretty, you know, easier to remember, I think. Um, but I think that the fuel, the nutrition part, I think a lot of people kind of just pass over it because of that. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe a lot of people find it. I know, actually, a couple of people who found your site by accident when they were looking for nutrition-type stuff. So oh, really? Kind of a well, we have, like, reviews on, on nutrition, so. Yeah, no, um, when, when people want to go find the club info and, and all that kind of thing, uh, where exactly do they go on your on uh, TriFuel? Uh, well, there's different uh, sections. So, you know, across the top of it, of the site, there's... Um, Pretty much like a, a navigation bar where you know, there'll be like a gear reviews on the top, and then there's a there's another link for local, and that's pretty much like a city guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you click that, I have like a, probably like a dozen cities in there, and I'm continually you know trying to add more cities. Um, and then and then there's also like an events uh, tab where they can find races and stuff. So it's kind of got everything on there. The, the gear review I know helped me out when I was looking for my bike and uh, wound up um, getting the Trek E9 based on the reviews on TriFuel. So it's just been a huge help for me since the beginning of things. Um, what's your favorite part of the site? Um, you know, the favorite part is is uh, getting, like, feedback from from users that the site's been helpful. Or that they've connected with other um, other athletes. Like for for instance, today a bunch of guys have put up race reports on uh, the Vancouver Marathon that they did. Oh. And so you just kind of like reading through some of the race reports. Um, you know, they mentioned that they met up with this member or this member. So it's like you know, members starting to meet up with one another at, at different races or or you know, uh, carpooling or whatnot to different races and, and kind of. You know, running together or uh, training together—that kind of stuff is kind of cool. Because then, you know, I, I get like a direct 
you know, I can read directly like how the plant, uh, you know, is impacting people. Well, you know what you are? You're kind of like um, the the trifather, you know? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> you're like, maybe, maybe like the son. I mean, I think there's, there's other guys that are a lot longer than Oh man! Well, now what are your what are your latest updates to drive fuel? I know you've um, done a lot of changing around lately. Um, yeah, I've been adding some new stuff. Um, let's see. I think around the beginning of the year, we added a training log. Um, so it was actually one of our um, one of the members on the site had created one for himself, and and uh, he was gracious enough to. To donate it to the site and and do some do some cool things, so it kind of hooked right into the into the forums you know membership. So now you know all the members can have a um, a free training log that they can use uh, to track their workouts and and um, all that kind of stuff. It gives you charge routes, you know, you can track routes, track equipment. Oh wow! Yeah, heart rate track, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's pretty it's pretty cool. I use it and <laughs> like addicted to it. <laughs> Computer, he's plugging in a workout. Uh, but he also has like twice as many as me already. Okay, and Matt's your other brother, right? Uh, yeah, Matt's the middle brother. The middle one, and then Chris is the youngest. Like I'm the I'm the oldest, lowest, and then Matt's like middle. <laughs> or he's the youngest. Did I say he's middle? He's the youngest. Oh, Matt's the youngest. Yeah, Matt's the youngest. Okay. And then and he's still coming up. And then he actually just turned 28 a couple of days ago. Oh, and happy then, birthday, Matt. And then Chris. Chris is in the middle. Chris is the middle. Okay. Well, family has triathletes um, for the most part. Um, you're you're getting ready for Ironman Canada this year, right? Yep. And this is your yeah. first Ironman? This will be the first Ironman, yeah. Are you excited? I'm scared of that. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm a little scared. I mean, I've always been scared of the run. The 26 miles is a big one, but... Um, yeah. You know, up my training and, and getting excited for it, so hopefully I'll be ready. So um, n- now, what what's your triathlon experience entail here so far? Um, well, I'm, I started out probably like um, like most of us, which is like a mountain bike sprint race. Uh-huh. I was like Bob Flower back in ninety ninety eight, maybe, um, and then. You, I mean, doing Wildfire as, like, one of your first triathlons is, like, is such an incredible experience. I know, like, you guys have talked about it on, on other shows as far as, like, the Olympic and mm-hmm. and um, and half. But just going there in that environment, it's kind of crazy. So I uh, was pretty much hooked after that first one. And that was on a Wildfire course? That was Wildfire, The, yeah. the sprint. So, so did you... I was going back for the Olympic a few times. Oh, I so said. Now, did you do the whole camping out, roughing it thing, and everything? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. You pretty much have to. I mean, there's no other alternatives, really. There's no. <laughs> How does that feel? Like racing, and and like then you got to go sleep on the ground. Yeah, it's tough, <laughs> but it was it was fun. I mean, I don't do it to you know. I don't break any records or or podium or anything like that. I just got to do it for just for myself, pretty much. Now that's that's really the right attitude to have. I mean, there there must be pressure um, with uh, both of your brothers being professional triathletes to focus in on the times and, and all of that. And I, I just always thought it was cool about you that you just kind of were surrounded by that environment, yet sort of 
just kind of race the way you want to race. And I, just, I think that's hard to do. I think we get caught up a lot in the numbers and the times, and um, and your times are actually nothing to uh, sneeze at. But you just you don't seem to place too much importance on that, but more so on the yeah, sport I itself. Mean, yeah, I mean, I didn't get into it because, you know, I think I was probably, I think, you know, uh, let's see, the sprints I did as far as before Chris even got into it. So it was never about getting into it because, you know, because they were into it. It was just kind of getting into triathlons for triathlons, and I just kind of kept that, you know, that perspective. I was working full-time and doing my own thing, and, and triathlons were kind of my hobby, and, and, and that was the direction I chose, and, and Chris really got into it, and his direction was to try to make it a career, so he went that way. And so now you were, so you were the first one um, to get into it kind of as a hobby, and then they kind of picked up after you, huh? Uh, I think I probably did the first one, yeah. But Chris picked it up pretty, maybe like a year after I, uh, I had this, I would say. He probably started in like 98. But he went, you know, I, my first was sprint, uh, mountain bike, because, you know, that's what I had, a mountain bike. I don't think I had owned a road bike prior to that. He went straight into, you know, buying a tri-bike. Oh boy. Qualifying for, uh, the Kauai. Oh. First race and then <laughs> winning like Brian Man at second race race or something ridiculous and then going to Ohio like his first year. <laughs> this is all like as you know just an amateur and then and then he's like, well, I might as well just try to go pro. Oh man, I might as well get paid for this stuff. <laughs> yeah, so he went. You know, he went all out. I think he talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Oh man. Well, now, what advice would you give to newbies out there, to anybody out there who might be feeling um, some pressure to perform for whatever reason, for personal gains, um, maybe hopes of going pro or, or, or just, you know, in general? Trihill really does a good job, I think, of getting to the heart of what triathlon is all about. And uh, so as the founder and site administrator, kind of what's your message to everybody out there? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me, um, I think for most of us, triathlon's a unique sport in that it seems to be more age group driven than it is, you know, a professional, like a professional sport. You know, while, while there's still a lot of professionals and people look up to those guys, you know, there's still, you know, name recognition in triathlon professionals versus, you know, other sports. It's, it's pretty, uh, minuscule. So I think for the most part, all of us are, are for most of us are doing triathlon for our own, you know, personal reasons and not, um, and those reasons aren't necessarily to aspire to be a professional or anything like that, but more to test ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think that's what it is pretty much for me. It's like kind of pushing, pushing your limits and whatnot. But I think at the same time, you kind of have to work up to that. So, um, I usually just kind of advise, you know, people usually, they come to the site and they want information or how do I get started and you kind of point them in the right direction and, and you just kind of have to go into it with, you know, this is just your race, you're racing against yourself, you're racing against, you know, the clock for the most part. Mm-hmm. If you talk to a lot of the pros, they'll say the same thing. They don't necessarily race, you know, I've heard Peter Reed say this, he doesn't necessarily go out there and race against the guy next to him. He kind of races the best race race and if that puts him at the finish line first then he wins uh, but he doesn't go out there and try to you know stay on somebody's wheel the whole time or stay on somebody's feet the whole time when he's swimming or running he pretty much just stays within his race plan and then if that turns out to be the best performance of the day then 
then it's all good. Wow. Um, you know, you accomplish a race, it, it kind of transfers over to whatever else you're doing. One of my biggest accomplishments was doing the half Ironman. It's like you get such a sense of you know, accomplishment that you can pretty much do anything. And I think that's what it's all about, kind of like learning that you can, that there aren't any limits and that. This is just a metaphor for everyday life. All right, well, we're almost to the uh, tri-life lesson, the highlight, always the highlight of our show. Yeah. Um, but i got to tell you one thing is I am um, I'm doing the Temecula um, Xterra race in a couple weeks. and I gotta, That's in a couple weeks? Yeah. Oh, how are you feeling about that? You know what? I, I am uh, – I, I got a – I got my hands on a mountain bike. My brother-in-law has one, so I borrowed it. I have not. I'm going to go out after, right after we get done. I'm going to go do my first ever uh, mm-hmm. mountain bike, uh, mountain bike, whatever training. And uh, so I'm, you know, I, I should be terrified because it's a, uh, it's a long course. It's like a three-hour race um, for the. I think for the pros. Um, wow. But you know what? It's just like screw it. I'm not gonna. I don't have the energy to be nervous about it. And I'll, you know, I'll. It'll be fun and you know an adventure. And I'm sure I'll just completely suck on the <laughs> on the bike. But uh, no. Now Melanie's gonna be out there, right? Uh, yeah, Melanie McQuaid, world champion, and um, I think she has a little crush on the Kahuna. So um, yeah. she'll, she'll get to see me. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> But she, no, she's the one that talked me into to doing this. She goes every. She, her philosophy is everybody will eventually um, go to um, Xterra. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so fun. And um, but she's talking about like her heart rate goes over 200 as she goes up yeah. these hills, and it's like you know that sounds like it really hurts. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know what I got into, but my my goal. I think I'm gonna really try to beat her in the swim. That's my only. So I might go super hard on the swim just to see if I can beat her and then just die the rest of the race. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but at any rate, I'll report back to you next week on how my uh, my my mountain biking is going. Oh, Jesus. well, get some pictures definitely of that uh, that whole thing. Have you ever mountain so, biked? Mountain biked? Um, not so much. Uh, probably by accident, I think. <laughs> uh, <if> I <laughs> <laughs> but never, uh, never with purpose. Oh my God, that's funny. All right, well, we're we're uh, we're running a little long, so we probably should get to your tri life lesson. And okay, um, what uh, are you talking about this week? <laughs> this week, you know what? This week, um, I'm going to talk about something I learned on my bike. Actually, um, little by little, I've been taking things off of it, and uh, so the other the other day, I needed room for my flat repair kit and I had to take off my my profile seat post thing uh-huh. the water holder and um, I'm finding out you know the bare essentials of what I need uh, today I decided I hate my profile drink system so every single time I go out it splashes me and uh, so I just I have a cage on there I'm just gonna take a bottle of water be fine so basically this this try life lesson is about um, sort of stripping things down to the bare essentials and uh, realizing that really that's all you need Excellent. Well, let's let's, uh, let's listen. I can't wait to hear it. Baby, don't you know me by now? Shake it off. Take it all off. 
and let's go for a ride. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? The closer we get, the more he tells me. You see, the more I listen, the more he shows me what makes him tick and why he's different. He makes me want to pay attention when he whispers about how much I need to learn despite all my education. And as I raise my brow, I can hear him grinning. He teases me because he can, because he knows that I know he can keep up with me from crash to cocky. He understands passion and fight and sacrifice and is teaching me, little by little, to travel light. My bike doesn't need fancy dressings to be sexy. No brackets, no adapters. He doesn't mind getting dirty and tells me to strip all the unnecessaries and leave them here. To take them all off because where we're going, we won't need all that gear. Simplicity in life. Come as you are. And he causes a wry smile that I try to fight, but I can't help it, because I know that he's right. I like that I don't make him nervous, and he likes that I'm too hard to tame, likes the flash in my eyes, and tends to smirk when I'm angry, which drives me insane until he tells me nice and low, baby, let's go for a ride. He understands how I'm complicated and not, and loves the contradiction of me, a tomboy empress in nail polish and a grease-stained jersey. He explains to me over miles and miles and erases my doubt, convinces me to strip everything down and look long and hard at what life is really about. And there I finally see that for entirely too long I thought I could find my fix in a perfect fit, tailored and slick, magazine cover caliber perfect. But he's made me believe that I don't need to hide or to go on any fad diets that those paper dolls are empty inside and could never make it up these kinds of climbs. He says it's the curves in the road that make it sexy. And then he asks me if I'm ready, nice and low. Baby, come here. Let's go for a ride. Well, that's that's so perfect, um, and I agree with you. It's very this is a sport. It's very easy to get uh, just accumulate junk um, that you know may provide a benefit, may not. But uh, I, I like to go. I don't even wear gloves when I bike because I like to. I like to. Um, I don't know. I like to be old school. Yeah, I know. And I think I don't know. I don't know if you have to just start out that way, where you think um, you know you need all of this stuff and. Uh, you wind up buying all this stuff and then, you know, you get a little, you get a few races and a little experience under your belt and, uh, and it doesn't even take much until you realize, you know what, I don't need that crap, get all this crap off my bike, I don't need this, you know, I, I, little by little, not only in, and, you know, this is kind of what like the Tri-Life Lesson was about, but, you know, not only do you simplify your gear and, and what you actually need, you know, what, what you do need sort of makes itself apparent and everything else just sort of falls away. All right. Well, well show number 17 is drawing to a close. I think it was it's, a good one. Yeah, I do too. We kind of went all up and down the emotional spectrum here. I think we really did. And if you listen to the bloopers afterwards, we um, we, went, <laughs> we went even farther. So. <laughs> oh, oh this God. show, this show, we're gonna we're gonna get some sort of rating slapped down on us yet. No kidding. So, uh, 
Okay, so um, let's say goodbye and we'll we'll get out of here. Alrighty. Well, everybody, thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week for show number eighteen. Until then, this is Iron Will signing off. And this is the Tri Geek Kahuna saying aloha and mahalo. All right, and it's that time again for the business section of our show. Get Your Geek On is sponsored by Shoe Wallet and also NEPSA for all your web hosting, domain, and design needs. NEPSA is your solution. Visit NEPSA.com or call 877-99-NEPSA. For comments, suggestions, or sponsorship inquiries, or to submit a soundbite for our next show, visit the sidebar of TryGeekDreams.com or through TH3Wall.com for more information. Get Your Geek On is a production of Iron Geek New Media. If you want to help uh, sponsor the show, we, uh, we have PayPal buttons on both of our websites, and you can do that both for um, just to be a friend of the show or to help um, sponsor a triathlete in, a new triathlete in our tri-scholarships. And please make sure if uh, you do donate that you also leave your address. Also, if you contribute a soundbite, please make sure you leave your address so that we can send you out some swag. Or if you would like a token of the Get Your Geek On show, visit getyourgeekon.spreadshirt.com for authentic logo apparel. All right, so now it's time to transition into our bloopers. We've got a letter from India, right? Um, uh, uh, no, 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 not so much from India. Wait. No? <laughs> That's from the blog. It's not from the pocket. Oh. You didn't <laughs> tell me that. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, Oh, I can't read today. I, I love your size. It's like, ugh. It's like a growl. <laughs> uh. Okay. You, know, you can just say, let's listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me actually, let me, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, this day. Okay. What is it? You know, it's like a contain. it's like a water bottle that's at the front of your bike and there's a straw in there and it comes with kind of two straws to give give you the length you need to get it to your mouth and Robo Stew thought like he had just, it was like you could use one straw or the other straw so he, so he, put, oh. he put he put the, he put one straw in and left the other straw at home and so he's got this little nub sticking, <laughs> sticking out of the, the, the tube and he, and he went on his first race and he couldn't figure out why he had to like stand up on his pedals and like oh, you know oh, no. reach over and um, and uh <laughs> I'm trying not to be sexual about this. Uh, <laughs> you can kind of cut all this stuff. <laughs> Why is tuba so short? <laughs> uh, it's really hard to suck on. <laughs> He's going to kill you if he hears that. You know, I think, you know, life is kind of like that. You know, the more you go, the when you're so concentrated on something else, then, um, you know, yeah, I guess we just all said that in the trailer lesson, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Boy, that really gives new meaning to the uh, term drawing the short straw, doesn't it? <laughs>